Welcome to the Future Food Citizenship Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm Sinead. Join us in conversations with the changemakers shaping a new, fairer food system. In this episode, we visited the Irish Seed Savers in County Clare and first spoke to Joe and Deirdre from the Seed Saving Department about their passion for seeds and also the importance of saving seeds in changing times. We also had the pleasure to talk to Jennifer McConnell, General Manager here at Seed Savers Island. We hope you enjoy the episode. I'm Joe Newton and I'm the Seed to Seed Coordinator here at ISSA, which means I'm responsible for uh, overseeing the gardens here and the growing of the seed and the collecting of the seed and the threshing of the seed and the storage of the seed and the distribution of the seed and the re-sowing of the seed again for the following year. So I've been doing this for 17 years, I think, but I can't exactly remember when I began. I started here in Seed Savers as working in the orchards with the apples for a few months and then moved to the gardens and quite quickly um, started work specifically with the seed part and became the seed coordinator after about three years and I've been doing it ever since. And somebody just asked me today actually, did you know that you wanted to become a seed person or a seed saver? And, you know, I grew up in a town in the northeast of England. I wouldn't have even given it any thought at all to growing food or anything like that as a child or a teenager. But what my reply actually was was that I think the seeds chose me. So, yeah, here I still am. And it's, you know, has its its challenges as kind of growing food and farming in Ireland always does, in this clip, but it's also incredibly and immensely rewarding. And the thing that, that has struck me most over my years of growing, and, you know, I grow food as well, just for, for the eating as well as for seed saving, is how relatively easy it is to create abundance. It's not rocket science. It's not that hard. It takes a little bit of hard work, but sure, you know, it's good for us like to have a bit of hard work. And uh, just every year, even even in a really bad, wet, rainy year, or a very short summer, or a very dull summer, there's still abundance. It might not be exactly everything that you sowed, but there will always be an abundance, you know, from a garden. And I just think that's, you know, it, it's so rewarding and it's so easy that I'd really wish everyone to, to be able to feel that feeling and just the empowerment it gives you to be able to, to grow food and then... You know, we've taken it the next step on to be able to grow seed, so you're really empowered to be able to feed yourself from seed to seed, even if it was just in a couple of things in a small way, you know, like a, a pea or a tomato, as we are sitting here processing tomatoes today. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so my name is Deirdre, Deirdre Morrissey, and I joined Irish Seed Savers a year ago. And um, I suppose, again, <laughs> you know, like you said, Joe, um, it's probably that the seed chose me as well um, because I didn't start out life in any, you know, in horticulture or anything like that. Um, I was working in, in corporate industry and I think, yeah, a couple of years into it, I started to become a bit disillusioned with the whole capitalist system and started to question things and um, went back and retrained in organic horticulture. So um, I did that in Drumcolour in County Limerick, which it's it's funny because the college is there 
um, over 30 years and I come from West Limerick and I hadn't even been aware of it. Um, so it was a real eye-opener to me, you know, to, to, to go back to West Limerick and to, to study again with some, some great people there. And I did a distance learning um, course, which was, which was great because I had a small child and, you know, other commitments. So it was lovely to be able to do it part-time. And then um, I was living out in this area for the past, well, I've been growing food for the past six or seven years now. Um, and again went from having very little background apart from grandparents who would have been farm labourers and things like that but hadn't really ever grown food myself Um, and then once we had our child it was kind of like you start to look at things again and you start to look at well you know feeding the child yourself and having that connection and then wanting to have the best food for that little little person you know growing Um, and it makes you think about well what you're you know eating and well it did me anyway and um so when I, I decided to 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 retrain and I did that after I started growing for about three years um, and I was very fortunate to move out to this area from Limerick City um, and started actually working in community with another family and we shared childcare, we shared the growing we shared um you know lots of things so that was my kind of introduction to it about six or seven years ago and um, then when I did my placement from college I came here and just the first day walking into the seed bank fridges I got goosebumps up my you know arms and just thought wow this is just amazing. Can you tell us what brought you to Seed Savers and what exactly does Seed Savers do? So the, before I started working in seed service, I was market gardener, small scale, and that was in the 90s here in Ireland, and it was a real struggle because it's kind of before the, the real blossoming of more awareness about food and farmers' markets and all those kind of things. It was, it was really, there was, it was very difficult finding outlets for food, and, and the diet here was still quite traditional, you know, not uh, eating a range of amazing, incredible foods that we do even now, 20 years later. So, so I was kind of struggling to make ends meet and I actually uh, came to an open day here at Seed Savers just, and it was quite small scale at the time, the place and uh, Anita Hayes who set it up she was still uh, very much a part of it and running it and we were just walking around the gardens and there was two things that really, really struck me one was in fact the apple trees that grow on their own roots and had just been uh, kind of taken as branches and put in the ground and started growing and of course I'd studied conventional horticulture in which there's no way you can grow an apple tree without it being grafted and uh, so just to see this these amazing trees with fruit on them that were just literally branches stuck in the ground was just um, an epiphanic moment I'd say and another was just a couple of the stories about some of the the crops there was one that was very very funny there was a guy called Pat Malone that worked here and we had these massive great uh, kind of squash stroke pumpkin fruits growing uh, and they were called um, prostate uh, squash yeah <laughs> and so we had this story about the, the the seed of the squash being incredibly good was always cultivated by the squash was always cultivated by monks because of course they have a lot of trouble with prostate cancer because they don't have sex and one of the best ways of, of making sure you don't get prostate cancer is, is having sex 
<laughs> so this was this was an anecdotal story, but of course squash seeds and and this bit is true. Squash seeds are have very good anti-cancer properties. They're they're really whatever's in them, you know, it's it's very very good for um, cancer. So and they're particular seeds that have very little hull on them, so they're nice for roasting and eating as seeds rather than actually eating the the pumpkin um, flesh. Yeah. And so all of that was true, except they were called prostrate, as in that they, they spread all over the ground. Nothing <laughs> to do with anything else. But it was a great story, and it always stuck in my mind. And nine months later, I was working at Seed Savers. <laughs> but that aside, so, so, so the stories, you know, that we, we carry with um, different foods and different crops... I mean, they're very important, and and bringing into our work that that heritage. So we're saving seeds. We're saving seeds of of a lot of plants and crops that perhaps wouldn't be that well known. That wouldn't be would be very rare. You know, they're not in commercial catalogues. They're not on the on the shelves in the garden centre or that, that kind of things. These are things that are a little bit more unusual, more difficult to get because they're not. I mean, the the reason the reason that most most varieties of crops are out there is because they're very robust, they're easy to transport around the world, you can knock them about a bit, it's got nothing to do with how delicious and tasty they are, or how well adapted they are to a very wet climate in the west of Ireland, or you know, quite poor soils, or quite waterlogged soils, it's just that you can, you can easily cultivate them and transport them because that's the end game of, of most growing these, these days. So we've got all these kind of much more vulnerable crops that would have fallen by the wayside and varieties of things that are, for the most part, more tasty. Uh, some of them, not all of them, some of them would be easier to grow. Some of them would, would shine well in our soils, whereas in a you know, high input system they might not. But here they kind of would survive through the winter. Things are, uh, we've got a really, a really, really rare parsnip, for instance. It's got great canker resistance, which is... You know, quite a major disease of parsnips in a wet climate, and uh, kales that that just flourish the wetter it gets, rather than than you know sort of diminishing and dying because there's no sunshine. So the, we're we're keeping alive these things and making them available to anyone who's interested, i.e., our supporters, and uh, we have an online shop as well now, so that it just it it allows a, a greater spectrum of diversity to be alive in the world. And of course, in with that, there's all the the genes they're carrying forth, you know. So, so most modern breeding is a very narrow range of kind of genetic material. You know, everybody's using very similar things that's producing these massive great amounts of hybridised corn and cabbage and broccoli and all those kind of things that would be on the mass market. And, you know, a lot of the crops that we have would be carrying a whole heritage of genes that are much more adaptable. And if there's a poor year, you know, they, they, some, some of them will survive. If you have a poor year or a major disease in a big crop that are all identical, you have lost the crop. Whereas if you have quite a broad spectrum of, of, of different genes in there, some of them will survive and some of them won't. And this is, the, the, you know, the most clear example of that that, of course, we have in Ireland is, is the Irish famine and the potato you know, and you, you know, that was basically such a disaster because everybody was growing one in the same variety of potato that was exceptionally uh, susceptible to blight. Mm -hmm. If, if, you know, where potatoes come from in, in Peru, in the mountains in the Andes, sort of the origin of, of potatoes, they're still growing potatoes there now. They've been growing them for 10,000 years, ever since, you know, 
people started cultivating. And uh, the way they manage is by growing 20 different varieties, small pots of lots of different varieties. So yeah, you may get disease in one variety, but you don't get them in all varieties. So there's, you know, you've always got something for the winter. So it's just taken that, you know, and that kind of thing's happened all over the world. It's not, not just the famine. So it's taking that, that, you know, piece of information. We know that. We know that there's huge benefits to diversity on every level, whether it's in the Amazon rainforest, whether it's the creatures in the sea, whether it's, um, you know, boglands in Ireland with all their, their rich plethora of plants. It's also much more applicable to us as humans in our food because that's the very thing that we need to keep us going, you know, into the future. Without food, we cannot live. We can live without all the rest, really, you know, the, 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 the tellies and the, you know, everything else. But food we need, and to be able to grow the seed for that food and keep the different, the different spectrum of all those foods going, you know, so part of that is also to, to maintain the seed for that, because without the seed, you can't grow the food. I think that's one of the, um, something that's very lost in the debate, particularly in the climate change debate, that actually saving seed is one of the most important things we can do um, as food producers because it builds in a particular sense of resilience in a changing climate that there, if you guys don't do what you do and we do rely on this funnel, kind of the, the same kind of five crops that are suited to one particular climate and as our climate changes, it doesn't know how to adapt. Whereas what you do here, you're using, as you said, heritage and also different varieties that allows that kind of diversity and builds resilience going forward. I think, do you think it'd be more important for growers to, and people as well as eaters to look at like uh, different colored tomatoes and things like that as when they buy and also for growers to try growing different varieties, not just one? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the greater the variety, the more resilience basically. And uh, I also think just in terms of our own health, you know, as, as uh, human beings, eating a big variety of foods, different sorts of foods, different coloured foods. We now know, you know, that different, different like purple foods are very rich in certain things and orange foods are. And uh, so we've got tomato, carriage that's extremely high in vitamin A, you know, and things like that. So so I think it's beneficial for us, but, but also it, from the grower's perspective, it can be very difficult to get a very conventional market to to look at eating those foods but it is changing i mean you know it's unimaginable like the food that's available in ireland now to just 20 years ago you know that's just a little bit in my life it's uh, you know it's it's really phenomenal to see that happen that change and and the different sorts of foods Mm -hmm. it's not impossible and hopefully it will continue changing and maybe i I think that the other thing about the 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 way that food is, you know, the commercial sector is developed, it's all so dependent on high inputs of energy, right from even from creating the seed and creating new varieties, you know, that, that for those systems, like these vast labs have to be, you know, kept alive and, and inputs of energy and people working in them, experimenting on this stuff all the time. So it's, it's not, you know, it's, sometimes these things are just never thought about how far back it goes. Whereas, you know, we have quite a high electricity bill because we've got a couple of cool rooms to keep our seed in and, 
and uh, you know some fans on and a couple of little electric thrushes there but compared to the infrastructure to maintain you know laboratories that are doing lots of microbiology and splicing genes and, and creating new varieties by putting genes together and this is without sort of crossing the species barrier it's just you know the modern face of, of plant breeding really it, it's hugely high input and, and then the whole food system there on in the growing of the food the inputs the energy inputs that go into that to create fertilizers massive massive amounts of inputs and you know without a shadow of a doubt we're living in a bubble now. You know, you mentioned climate change. I mean, that's one thing, but just our energy use. I mean, it, it, it's just to any common layperson that thinks about things, how can you possibly think this can go on? You know, it is finite. It is mm. finite. So we've got to look at systems that are simpler, that are more robust, that are, you know, I, I mean, my vision would be as many people as possible saving seed and growing food, even on a small way, even just in their back garden, you know, doing little bits. So the way that we have this enormous diversity and heritage of foodstuffs on a global scale, I'm not talking specifically you and I, is because nearly every single person that lived on the planet for 10,000 years was engaged in agriculture and food growing. And so in every corner of the world, and they saved their own seed because there was nowhere else to get it. So that, that meant, you know, that hundreds of thousands of different things developed and the diversity is phenomenal. And now we're just kind of scrapping all that in a, you know, in a hundred years, getting rid of all that. But that's, you know, that to me is the real resilience for the future is as many people being engaged in some way, you know, even if they're buying their food from someone that's thinking about it more and growing it more, um, in a simpler system, more organically, using a whole range of different types of foodstuffs and ranges that will keep going through the year and adapt to tunnels and those kind of things. So yeah, without a doubt, it's the it's the way to go. More orange, or, more orange tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who's buying your seeds? Is more people growing for themselves or farmers? Uh, definitely, it would be mostly gardeners. So just doing their own their own kind of um, gardens but we are beginning to see we're beginning to make a little bit of headway into the the sort of commercial domain in terms of people that are growing food for sale so we would be starting to do slightly bigger quantities of seeds that are easier to produce and we have a number of growers that are growing seed saver varieties and um, so there's a man in Sheen, who's quite well known on the organic world, Jason Horner. So he went from being a, a, a grower that was absolutely dead set that you can only make a living by having the most productive hybrids to having finally, and he's been on the board of directors for Seed Savers twice. So he's kind of on a theoretical level, he was always impassioned about our mission, but on a, on a day-to-day practical level, wasn't actually engaged in it, you know, in his growing. But he has turned over the years into this kind of fully fledged, you know, seed grower, mad, passionate about trying, trying out all kinds of old heritage varieties that will perform almost as well as some of the hybrids and finding out what they are and then pushing them and promoting them. And so we have this, you know, the Bow and Onion, which is a, it was bred by an Irishman, Barney Crumbie. It's a beautiful onion, good long lasting onion. And he now grows that and sells it on his market stall and one of the, the promoting factors of that is the fact that it's an Irish onion and it's an Irish heritage onion. And, uh, you know, so it's, a, it's really nice to have witnessed that 
that journey with Jason because I know him quite well, you know, to see that. And uh, now he's he's a seed grower for us, so he grows seeds on his market garden as well. So, you know, the, the more people that are accessing the seeds, the more there's going to become a market for those seeds, you know, so that the whole thing can flourish and the more people are trying them in different places, the more information we can get and uh, exactly. and that's enrichment on all levels for everyone, yeah. It's the whole um, chicken, it's, it's not a, a chicken or egg thing, it's a matter of kind of a, a lot of things coming together at once. Yeah. More of us as citizens choosing to eat more diverse uh, food and then our growers kind of choosing to kind of grow diversity as well, it kind of needs to come in tandem mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah, and I guess it's we're just so used if we buy in supermarkets and to always see the same, and so we are not even some of us not even aware that there is such a variety actually mm-hmm. in food, and and I mean you're quite new in the mm. so what's your experience in seeing all those different varieties? Were you aware of? Yeah, well, I suppose I yeah I wasn't because I wasn't growing even you know um, seven years ago, but um, when I did come out, I'm just really glad that I landed out here in East Clare because. There is a history of a lot of people in the last 20, 30 years that, you know, moved here maybe from Germany, from, um, you know, Holland, from the UK. And, you know, they brought diversity and they brought, you know, this idea of buying a piece of land and being self-sustainable. So the people that I was living, you know, in community with um, had been growing for about 15 years. So I got a very, you know, it was a very steep learning curve, um, but it was amazing because, you know, I was hearing about open pollinated and, you know, saving seed and all of these things that, you know, I hadn't really come across or even thought about before. Um, But when you start, you know, even at that very small level of, you know, trying to discern what weeds are and what are little shoots and, you know, if you're starting from, from the basics, you know, um, I think you can you can get into it really quickly. You know, um, I was pretty amazed at that. Um, and then, yeah, the, 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 the variety and getting to know the different seed producers and getting to know, you know, that, you know, what is the difference between an open pollinated seed and, um, um, you know, and what you might pick up in, you know, at a supermarket or something. Um, yeah, and I was just fascinated. You know, it made it made total sense when when I became aware of it that you know you can save the seed from a tomato that you eat. You know, and uh, uh, yeah, I was I was just very very pleasantly surprised. And now I suppose I'm deepening that knowledge here at our Seed Savers, and you know, very fortunate to be working with Jo, who has um, been here for for as she said, seventeen years, and her knowledge. Um, and, and people's passion you know here is great because I think you do need to be around that as well to keep keep you motivated keep you going because I think there's a kind of a sleepiness in in people um, not in all people but you know I'm this is me myself as well that you know if you're not thinking about these things if you're not trying if you're not um, asking questions that you can just fall very easily back into the oh sure it's easier to do such and such um, but I think you know I get more and more passionate about it, and um, I love talking to people now about seed and um, and and actually just I was at an event in Kilmeedy. There's a, a kind of a community um, garden there as well, and I was there for seed savers, and you know there was the mum and dad and the kids, and you know they were really really eager, never grew anything, and you know just even people like that. So there's yeah there's a whole spectrum you know of 
you know, engaging people, um, you know, in, in education around what they're buying and also giving little hints and tips and how to just start off and start easy, start small, you know, and just see a pea plant grow, you know, in your in your conservatory at home or whatever. Um, and then you have the people like Jason who's gone, you know, completely to, to the nth degree. Um, and we have other, we have a lovely network of seed growers that we work with here and um, they're called seed guardians, which again, just even the word, I think, you know, you, we're, we are guardians. And when you mentioned earlier about uh, food citizens, it's not a term actually that I'd be very familiar with, but, you know, the minute I heard it, I thought, you know, citizen rights and responsibilities, you know, that was the first kind of thing that popped into my head. And yeah, that we, you know, we have responsibilities to this earth, you know, it's not just about the take, take, it's about you know observing what's here um how we are you know together with nature where we are part of it you know so um yeah it's been it's been lovely to get to know the seed guardians here as well who who as as joe was saying grow for us and um and we learn so much together you know from the feedback from the meetings we have from going to visit their gardens and um yeah it's it's just it's wonderful to see that progression and that people are actually interested and then where you can just share in the knowledge you know and um and sharing what you know yeah so on a day-to-day basis besides um for the listeners sitting here looking at smelling beautiful tomatoes and picking out seeds in the middle of it and um, what do you do <laughs> what yeah, other stuff do you do yeah well I suppose for me I'm, I'm it's fantastic it's called seed to seed assistant is my role and so yes we start off in spring and we're sowing the seed so we're then tending to our little shoots and our little um, plants transplanting them putting them in the garden and then tending to them throughout the seasons until harvest time which is right about now july is our busy time for harvesting seed um so you know just day to day in the garden um hoeing weeding um observing you know and um, pinching out the tomatoes when that needed to be done and you know all those garden thing to garden you know things that we need to do looking after our compost you know, making sure that the soil fertility is where it should be, you know, sowing green manures, incorporating green manures into the land. Um, And then, you know, after harvest, processing the seed, drying the seed, um, and then packaging it up and sending it out. And it's just, I get such a buzz, you know, when it comes to kind of Christmas time, where you're putting those seeds back into little packets and, you know, you have been tending to, to to those plants out there and you're sending them off out into the world again and you know with with all your intentions and good wishes that they're going off to to other homes and gardens to to, to grow again and to, and to start their life um and you know it's it's funny here sometimes we get children that come to the garden and they say but everything's dead you know and because it's dying and we're you know saving the seed and they said yeah but it's it's just starting all over again you know and it's uh, yeah and it's trying to um, I suppose share that that passion that that we have with with others and and to make it less intimidating and you know that it isn't you know and I'm I'm absolute you know proof of that you know from starting seven years ago to to um, you know we can do it yeah mm-hmm. and um, and as you said Joe it is hard work and you have to be committed to it but 
um, again I think community is where it comes in as well especially for maybe my generation who you know you're used to being your independent doing your own thing and you have to relearn you have to relearn how to work with others you have to relearn how to engage in relationship with others so that you can have a deeper relationship with the land with the biodiversity that's so interconnected um, you know so for me it's about yeah getting getting together with others and and, and sharing and learning yeah, it's very important. Perfect. That's really beautiful, yeah. Yeah, what sticks out for me a lot, especially maybe because that's your perspective, is a community aspect, yeah? That, I mean, as you said, when we are consumers, we go to supermarkets, we're all on our own, like it's everybody just you know, packing their stuff. But and you don't even need to speak to the woman no. at the till now because you can do it automatically. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And here we have a completely different sense of being together, growing together, and even being community with nature. I think that's... But that's what I get. Yeah, from yeah. That we're all yeah. we're all in it in it together. Because mm -hmm. yeah. without you know the the land on which we live and the food that sustains us, we are nothing. And so yeah, we're really on every level in it together. Yeah. And yeah, hard work is made much less by being able to share it and mm -hmm. have the chat and tell the stories. And uh, yeah, it, it, certainly for me, it beats kind of running on a treadmill with your earphones on at the gym. You know, to be outside. In nature, you know, manifesting my own food. You know, I, having grown up in a town and and not really had that much connection with food growing. I mean, I certainly got out in nature a lot, but but it it just that that moment when I first had a garden and sort of first sat down. I did it at solstice and ate a meal out of the garden and didn't have anything else. You know, so I had new potatoes and lettuce and just a few things. It just I just thought, oh, this is it. Yeah, you can survive. You can survive on your own skill and your own know-how. And it was just the best feeling ever that I've ever experienced, part of giving birth to a child, you know, really. It, it, you know, just that feeling that, oh, yeah, I've got this knowledge now. And it seemed to me like the most important knowledge in the world, the most important. And, you know, I still carry that now. I agree. Yeah. I, I think food is so central to our lives. In so many cases, modern life is so busy that food is kind of like an afterthought. Yeah. Oh God, I have to grab breakfast, I have to grab lunch, and now I have to do dinner. You know, it's very... It's a uh, chore. It's, it's a, a chore. chore. It yeah. really can feel like a chore. And so there's no enjoyment then, personally, I can't stand supermarkets, but there is no enjoyment in going to choose your food, you know, whereas we hope that through these kind of podcasts and stuff, people can begin to realize that food is central to our lives and we need to connect with it again. Because it does bring joy. It does. Yeah. It, it can. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. As kind of preparing food together with people and, and you know, they would have been yeah. the great ways that people came together before there was anything else to do. It was just, yeah. you know, a, a celebration mm -hmm. around the table and, and, you know, in the kitchen cooking food together. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, you, you know, earlier on you were asking about the sort of people that bring the seeds and just, just a really good example of that is what in, in spring we always do what we call a seed share. So we provide some of the seed and then other people that come also bring seeds that they have saved themselves. So you get all different kinds of seeds, you know, some, some is good and some is not so good, I don't have to say, but it's such a, such a lovely coming together. And over the years, since we've been doing it every year for maybe seven years now, And it started out, you know, there was maybe about 10 or 12 people came and nobody else had seed or somebody had a few little acorns in pots or just something like that. And this last couple of years, you know, we've had up to 200 people coming 
from little children to old farmers who've always walked and worked on the land to you know young trendy types to to kind of new age types to just ordinary people from a housing estate in Ennis to every type of person coming along and kind of engaging on some level even if it's just taking seeds and it's amazing because the, the, the joy on some people's faces when they realize that it's it's for free they can just take seeds they can leave a donation if they haven't brought seeds but they can take anything and take it away and try and grow it's just such a an amazing thing and you know the the knock-on effect of that is that hopefully they start to grow food or the next year they come back with a bit of seed or they talk to their neighbours about it and somebody else comes, you know. So it's just such a lovely thing to see that and, and to have seen it grown through the years to start, you know, with absolutely nobody knowing what we were doing and a bit crazy and, you know, to seeing this real bubble of people out there in the, in the big conservatory there full of people and the little packets of this and that and the other and, yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, it's it's definitely changing, and and it is it is all sorts of people, you know. It really is just from all kinds of walks of life, more and more. And anybody can save seed. Anybody can do some of it. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. Like like Deirdre said, do what you can. Start small. You know, even if it's just just keeping your pea seeds, which is quite easy, or something like that. You know, everybody doesn't have to need to grow every single seed, but support seed savers. You know, that's a, a big thing you can do, buy our seeds, buy a supportership, tell other people. You know, that's, so you, you can't grow all the seeds yourself, you know, or buy your food from a farmer's market, someone you know, you know, you can go and have a look where they're growing the food, you can see where it's been grown, how it's been grown. You know, all of those things, we can take, you know, responsibility. We don't have to do every single bit ourselves in the garden. But it's it's also great if you can do a little bit in your garden or in the window box. It's such a nice feeling, yeah. And even, I think, just when you are out, even with with children, you know, walking, walking the roads, you know, in autumn or at this time of year, just pointing out seed, you know, because it's like I, I have a few window boxes at home and there's marigolds in them. And yesterday, you know, I was showing my son, you know, where the seed was in the marigold that, you know, you pick the top off and there's all these seeds. And it's just, I think, the visual as well and just being, you know, being able to see where it comes from. And I think those little things for children are really important. Like, you know, a poppy, when the poppy flower goes and it's like a pepper pot and just even giving those little analogies to children so that they're thinking about it and you know these seeds now we put back in and we'll have another poppy next year and just those just those little things are watching just observing grass go to seed mm. you know um i think once you start involved with seed, you see seed everywhere well i do anyway yeah. um even by the sea you know the seashore um you know some of the um you know the sea holly and different things you know to, to to just look and see this this plant you know plants just want to produce they want to reproduce they want to be you know kept kept going and um we're just we're just guardians we're part of we're part of that process um, and without one there can't be the other you know we, we really have to just reconnect with the land as well and touch it and allow children to you know, play in mud and pull things. You know, I heard somebody, you know, saying recently, oh, you know, don't pull those. And I remember, you know, my mum pulling grass seeds and running after us, throwing them down her neck and having fun with nature, you know, and so that so that we're, we're part of it, we're, we're connected to it. And um, yeah, I think that's, 
That's important too. Yeah, I like that there's a, an Australian folk singer, I can't think of his name right now, but he has a song um, that says, From Little Things, Big Things Grow. And mm. it's the most simplest thing that seeds, you know, this tiny, tiny thing, and it's, it's the foundation. And I mean, for, some of them are so tiny, yeah. utterly minuscule. And they just this yeah. foundation yeah. Of, of everything. Mm. I, I, re- I remember seeing the kids that, that come on kind of they do two or three hours education trip from schools with uh, Anya who's kind of uh, works with the children more and uh, she used to do, you know open up a pumpkin to, to get the seeds out and you know an average an average healthy pumpkin would probably have around a hundred seeds something like that in it so these kids were taking these out and you know like miss 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 does this grow another plant and you're like, yeah, each, each one of their seeds grows another plant. And, and then, miss, 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 how many pumpkins do you get on a plant? Well, you can get up to 10 sometimes. So, miss, 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 that's, you know, 10,000 seed or whatever. And just this penny dropping in their minds, you know, the way that it just grows in that way, how incredible it is. And that is the reality. Yeah. We're very thankful for Joe and Deirdre for sharing those beautiful stories with us. And last but not least, we also spoke to Jennifer to tell us more about the Irish Seed Savers mission and how you can support Irish Seed Savers. Hi, my name is Jennifer McConnell. I'm the general manager with Irish Seed Savers. So thanks to Future for coming along and learning a little bit more about our work and sharing that with your listeners. So we're a 20-acre working farm based in Scarif, East Clare. We had started in 91 um, in Carlow through the vision of Anita Hayes. And really our main focus is about researching and growing and protecting Ireland's heritage food seeds and also fruit trees. So we have two and a half acres of heritage seed gardens. And you would have spoken to Joe and Deirdre already about all of that and the great work that they're doing there. But also we have seven orchards and that is work that we're doing in collaboration with other organisations such as UCD, Lochgall in Armagh and also the Department of Agriculture. Really a lot of our work is about collaborating with other organisations and with growers. So we have a seed guardians network where we have experienced growers growing seed to ensure that we're not just reliant on our site in Clare, but also to help us research and understand how seeds grow in different parts of the country with different soil and climate conditions. We have a seed sovereignty programme in collaboration with the Gaia Foundation. So this is another way to encourage growers to help our research through seed trials and also to actually look at how our seeds grow in comparison to others and then encourage more growers to grow for seed so that we actually go back to our heritage practice of seed saving. So many people actually used to save seeds, it was a common practice. And then I suppose as we became much more of a convenience culture, that fell by the wayside and people no longer felt that it was uh, something that was important to do. As more people are engaging and understanding the world around us, there is much more of an interest for people to not only grow their food, but to share the food that they actually grow. And then from that actually save seeds so that they can actually grow the varieties that they like next year. Where we actually come into play in all of that is that we have various different open days, as Joe mentioned as well, about people coming in and getting access to seeds that they may not otherwise. And we have other things like tasting tours where people learn more about the actual varieties of apples that we have. So we've documented over 165 varieties of heritage apple trees. Many people might only know three varieties that are available in the supermarket. So that's really why we want people to connect more with your growers that are growing locally and selling in your farmers markets or box schemes 
or CSA programs. And again, it's just another way to try and support locally, but to be aware of the food that is local to your area and where that seed actually comes from to grow that food. We really want to try and strive to be much more of a sustainable um, nation. And to do that, it's also not in terms of finances and day-to-day practices, but it's also through the food that we eat and the seeds that that food has been grown. So we do educational courses, we have workshops, uh, we have various training in seed saving, um, usually in autumn time, that's the best time obviously for harvesting for the seed. And then we have our seed guardian uh, training and a seed to seed training as well um, with the Seed Sovereignty Programme. So there's a lot going on. I mean, it's a a very exciting time in seed savers and it's a great opportunity to be part of it. I myself had come to Seed Savers at the beginning of last year of 2017 and came on as the general manager so it was a wonderful opportunity to be part of this great great organization and I like Deirdre had come from a corporate background but I had been a supporter of Seed Savers over the years so I had an idea of what Seed Savers do but I really didn't get a full appreciation until I actually started working here so I mean it's just phenomenal the work that is done both in terms of growing seed and the research on the apple trees but the education programs with schools and collaborations as well and then just even in terms of various people that have interests in growing and in the environment so really what we do isn't just for one type of person you know somebody who's interested in growing but it's just anybody who has an interest in the world around us so if you're interested you can sign up as a supporter and any information about our work about our workshops our open days access to our seeds and trees and how to become a supporter you can get online at our website irishseedservers.ie and this is an opportunity for people to not only support our work but to get access to the seeds and trees and workshops and just learn a bit more so we have a monthly e-zine and we send out a more comprehensive newsletter twice a year so I think really the work that we do will always be something that needs to be done and the more people that we can connect to actually grow the heritage open pollinated seeds and the heritage fruit trees, the more that people are actually contributing to the conservation work in their own back garden. So if you're a a budding grower, an aspiring grower, an experienced grower or just somebody who has an interest in long term sustainability as well, we'd love to hear from you and actually learn about your experience as well. So you can contact us through irishseedsavers.ie or through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram social media profiles. And we just want to thank Future as well for the opportunity to be part of this. And just to ask people that the next time they're actually buying food is to consider where the seed has come from, where the food has come from, and then how much more you can actually do to make a change in how we eat and how we live today. That's it for now, folks. Thanks a million for listening. To those of you who produce food, why not join the Fair Food Movement? Get involved, get in touch, join us. And if you're into Fair Food, then become a supporting member or check out our Patreon page to help us create more content like this. Until next time, eat well, choose fair.